0: Hello and welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. My name is Podcast Mike. I work on the podcast with Will. This is our Willosophy's compilation series, the final episode of the compilation series. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. We've seen all the feedback on the Twitter account, uh, Pod P-O-D. It's been great. And uh, we had a blast putting these together. Today's theme is What Happens When You Die?, that is the question that Will generally ends the podcast on with each guest each time. Uh, so, I thought that was a, quite an apt way to finish the compilation. Uh, that theme of finality and and death. Uh, so, let, let's dive straight into it. We have five guests on this. And I think uh, they all have quite unique and interesting takes on... Uh, what's going to happen when uh, the inevitable occurs? Uh, so you will hear again from Dr. Carl, uh, who has uh, quite a scientific uh, view on what's going to happen. Felicity Ward will speak about uh, what she believes will happen. Nazim uh, Nazim Hussain brings a religious take on what's going to happen when you die. You'll also hear from Briggs again. He will talk about. Uh, his Indigenous beliefs on death, and uh, first up will be Judith Lucy. Uh, Judith, again, is a comedian uh, and uh, fantastic performer from Australia, uh, and she speaks to Will about what she thinks happens when you die. Hey, you can also go to willanderson.com if you want to see Will live at the Comedy Festival next year. Uh, his new show is called Will Informed, uh, go and buy tickets because I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, you can follow us on socials at WillosophyPod, uh, and we'd love to hear any feedback about these compilation series. Uh, we Again, we've appreciated hearing from you a lot, uh, and we really do hope you enjoyed them. Uh, again, this is the last one, uh, but it's not the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. Uh, but let's go over now to Judith Lucy.
1: favourite Radiohead quote, um, and I'm not a big person for quoting song lyrics, but this is, I, I love this lyric so much. Uh, for a minute there, I lost myself. And I, I always think when I'm talking about being on stage and somebody tries to explain to me, like, Barry Humphreys always had that line of, you know, when he walked on stage as Dame Edward in front of 3,000 people, what's it like? And he was like, ah, oh, alone at last. That's not quite how I feel about it. But th- there is something about. It, 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 for a, for a minute there I lost myself it means two things to me firstly I think there was a p- part of my life where I did lose the idea of who I was as a person like mm-hmm. you know like I I was what other people you know thought I was or yep. you know thought I should be um but the second thing is there there's nothing better than being in that moment on stage where you are so connected oh, with yes. this group of strangers that you're not yourself like you've lost yourself because you have become even though you're the person on stage we're all doing this together this is all of us perfectly you know connected in this fucking moment yeah. and you do you lose yourself like into the world like into the room and and it's that's my like that's when i again to me that feels like well, that's that moment where you glimpse that, that yeah you know
2: And I agree with you, and I think you can be touring and you cannot experience that, you know, 25 shows Mm. out of 26. But on that 26 shows, something will happen, and it is something. And I feel like it's this magic area between the audience and you because it is as much a part of the audience as it is you. Yes, you are all, and that's why live is so amazing because nothing will be able to replicate that particular evening. What do you think happens when we die? Um, I think zippity doo dah, zippity. You know, yep, me I too. mean, I like to think, uh, hey man, there's uh, we're all energy, and that energy goes on in some form. But you know, I'll be a tree or whatever. But that's that's it.
1: Yeah, I I certainly have had uh, you know, psychedelic drug experiences where I, I felt like. I got a sense of like death and the world was spinning around and then the world slowed, like you had this feeling that the world slowed down and then you, that you kind of just gently drifted out and then it sped up again and went on without you. And I actually found that a very comforting thought to have, mm. but I mostly think I'll probably just be dead and they'll bury me and I'll rot. Yeah. But I won't care cause I'll be dead. <laughs>
2: It's like when people ask you the question, which I'm sure you've had too, how do you want to re- be remembered? I don't give a shit. I'm not going to be around.
1: I mean, I don't give a shit how I'm remembered. I don't give a shit how, like, what you do in my body. Like, if you like if you decide that we can stop pedophiles fucking kids if, by fucking, like, my dead body when I'm dead, stuff me and let everyone have a fucking go. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm dead.
2: Well, it's like, uh, you know... God, let's help not them. go with that, they, by the well, way. Yeah, that's, <laughs> sure, that's out there now. But you know, I'm doing that thing of donating my organs or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure the doctors will simply laugh. Yeah. But you we know, should, we'll
1: donate ours for study rather than for.
2: Exactly. But the thought is there. And I told someone this, and they went, Oh, but don't you know that when you do that, you know, the medical students, they do things with your bodies and yeah. they'll have you having sex with other bodies. And cool. I'm like, I don't I'm care. Because
1: that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, I mean, I agree with that, but it. I think some people find that a very confronting. If you believe that once you're dead, I think I think that this is what people would ask. If you believe that once you're dead, you are dead, then why do you do what you do every day? What is it that just gets you out of bed and gets you to do what you do if you think that once you die, you're dead?
2: But why would that change if I didn't think that?
1: Well, because I think that a lot of people… like I think if
2: I'm a good person, I'll go to heaven. Yeah, I will go to heaven.
1: And I mean, you know, there is some sort of like, you know, we'll go to church and I'll, you know, do this and I'll raise my family and I'll blah, 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 or whatever the mythology that they've bought into. It might be if I earn enough money, then, you know, I'll cheat death. Or if I, you know, like people, you know, kind of funnel it into very different ways, their, you know, own kind of internal mythology. Some people argue that if you don't believe in a God or being Judged, how do you decide your morality? How do you decide well, what you're going to do with your dad? Well, that's a sad
2: indictment of humanity, I can't help thinking. That well, we, I, I it, agree. You know, that we would need a god or. I oh, know. Uh,
1: all you it, need is empathy, I would have thought, well, to be yeah, nice to other people. That's but, yeah. pretty
2: much what I think, too. Yeah. And I guess the older I get, the more uh what I think gets simpler and simpler. And I guess what gets me through most days is trying to, you know, Give stuff a crack. Right. Uh, I would like to be at the end of my life and think that I. Most things I wanted to try, I've tried. I would like to think that most things I've tried, I've tried sincerely and tried to do well and that I've tried to be a nice person. I don't think I've got much more than that.
1: That seems like a pretty nice way to end, to be honest, Jude. Um, can go I, in
2: peace, Will. Right. <laughs> hang
1: on, we've still got plugs to go. <laughs>
0: Judith Lucy there talking to Will Anderson on Willosophy about what happens when you die. My name is Podcast Mike. This is our Willosophy's compilation series. Head to Tofop.com if you want to hear any of the chats you heard today in full. Over now to Adam Briggs. Uh, Briggs is a comedian, uh, a, a rapper. He is one half of the of the rap group AB Original. He also is an independent Rapper, uh, you may have also seen uh, some of his work in the new Netflix series Disenchantment, of which he was a writer for. I uh, Briggs speaks about uh, his thoughts on uh, indigenous mortality rates, uh, and his indigenous culture, and what he believes happens when you die. Enjoy.
3: I wear. A lot of you know the brunt of the backlash because of how vocal i am uh uh-huh. you know about all this all this kind of stuff you know it's like oh briggs is at it again you know what i mean <laughs> 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 like why won't he just shut up but you know i said the trials i said this is this is the time like world worldwide it was the time it, it was so bananas all you know, the way things were, were going with the alt right movement and stuff like that. It's like, man, it, like we're wasting our time if we don't start like if we don't say something when we ha- while we have this platform. Because the reality is is like we might not be hot next year. Right. People may like it happens to anybody. You know, it's like you can fall the fuck off and then people just don't fuck with you and no one hears your message. And
1: My career, to be honest, has been mostly a story of success, but I understand <laughs> theoretically what you're saying. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. You can, <laughs> you,
3: anyone can fall off, theoretically. You know, knock on wood. Yeah, tick, 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 <laughs> tick, tick. tick. <laughs> but like, like and, and like, I, I think that comes from as well, like growing up in, in an indigenous community, watching people pass away and going to so many funerals, and knowing that our time is, like, your mortality is very much thrust upon you as a kid, because you're going to funerals when you're a kid, and people, you know, when you're young, you think, oh, he was 50, fuck, that's old, you know what I mean, and then no, that's not. <laughs> you grow up and you're like, holy shit, you know, my uncle passed away when he was 50 and so-and-so passed away when they were 40-something. And so, you know, uh, I don't think there's any, there's any more people who, rea- you know, who better realise that our time is super limited so, I was I was
1: interested in that. There's a, a track on the album now. I, forgive me because we live in the iPod age of yeah. you're not necessarily stopping down, but I'm going to guess maybe it's called Dead in a Minute. Yeah, yeah, is it yeah, called yeah, Dead yeah, in a Minute? Yeah. Um, so, which I think like, is actually one of the more interesting tracks on the album because it deals very kind of in some ways directly with that insane yeah. statistic. And, and, and that's what it is. But at the same time, it's not... Like, the most what if instantly recognisable as a political song on there. That's
3: because I, I was like, it was, it was just, it was like, the, it was my comedic take on right. it. Right. It was like, yo, yeah, we could be dead at any minute, let's write a song about us going out, like, right. in a ball of fucking flames. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that we could die at any second, like, let's talk about us, you know, robbing a bank, stealing a car, going out. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to go out, let's go out and make a mark.
1: And I thought it was such a really incredibly effective way of making that point. And I yeah. think it, like, it does. It, it was really... different. It's right. like,
3: it, 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 and I feel like it sinks in with the listener later on because I'm not just throwing facts in, at them. I'm not rapping, you know, we die 30 years before the next man, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. It's like... We do it in a, in a comedic way that they remember the punches.
1: Well, I mean, I think, it, like, it, I mean, I've talked about, spouted, you know, all those statistics, read them a million times. You know, as Hannah Gadsby, you know, famously said, I'm constantly aware of the fact that, like, in my position in society... It's very easy for me to care about all these things because I don't really have to care about any of them, <laughs> you know. So it's very easy for me to be an ally, you know, to these various things because I can dip my toe in and acknowledge how horrible it is, but it doesn't really dire- directly affect me on a day-to-day. Yeah. So I read them and I'm horrified by them, and I, you know, talk on stage about Adam Goods and I spout the statistics and I, you know, tell people these things. But even I, there's a thing that it like struck me when I was listening to the song, um, is I, I never really thought about how that might even affect people's mindsets because you attack it in a comedic way. Like mm. we we might be yeah we might be dead tomorrow, so you know what? Fuck it, we're not going to obey the rules tonight. We're going to do all these things. But I think that, to me at least, made a broader point of going, and maybe this explains a little about you know maybe some of the things that you're thinking about the way people in my community yeah. behave might have to do with the mindset of going, well, why the fuck would I care about this? Because yeah, I, don't, I don't have to be here for another... I'm not going to be here for another 20 years or I'm not going to have this life. And so yeah. it it's made me... kind. It pricked me a little bit in that way as well, where yeah. I was like, oh, this is...
3: It's generational, you know what I mean? It's like... It, the, the, there's so many variables to the idea of the mortality rate. I I, I spoke in, a, in an interview and... um they asked me about the most um, confronting thing for, um, that's on the record. And I said that song, and I said Dead in a Minute. And you could tell that they were taken back by that because it's such a like a party-knocking you know, kind of song. It's like, you know, I, I can say fuck the police all day, right? but that's been said. You know what I mean? I'm not surprising anyone by saying fuck the police. You know, that's, it's done its old hat right <laughs> you know everyone knows fuck the police yeah. everyone knows that
1: even the police do <laughs> fuck the police at their christmas party <laughs> yeah. now ironically that's where that, that's where that is yeah.
3: that's the thing it's like cuz that's been said i said the most confronting thing is like what people might not realize is if you deconstruct it is dead in a minute cuz what we're talking about is us dying 20 30 years before the rest of australia so we have you know, less time, I think I said, you know, I've I've got half the time, so I'll do twice as much.
1: But I imagine within that community, there are people who have prejudices towards how Indigenous people manage their lives. We see this all the time, the cliches of those sort of things. So you have this broader thing of going, well, here's a community where you're seeing this thing that everyone can be proud of, that is run by and schooled by and staffed by and, you know, played by. All right. I mean, I think and this even, is even, I gotta be honest, mate, this is a good policy to run onto because <laughs> I feel like I can like sell it to the people who are actually a racist by going, no, this is gonna be better for your draft picks. It's basically an academy. <laughs> yeah. This is essentially an AFL academy. It like, really is. No one's gonna go home because they're culturally shocked anymore. <laughs> They'll be well trained. You know what I mean? Like, this is I feel like this is a winning policy. But, we can uh, fix it. But
3: like that's what I mean. Like i i like just from my experience, like obviously there's people out there who who know like fucking right. way more than me and you know what I mean like all and but of course like you know I, I've i kind of led, a, led that as a disclaimer from the start from when I first did this sh- you know from speaking out was like oh, I'm only ever speaking from my experience and whoever wants to come with me is more than welcome you know what I mean but all I ever try to be is representative of myself you know what i mean like from start to finish
1: all right so let's talk about you a little bit before we do finish um so there's just some standard questions i always like to ask on the podcast so uh one of them is this uh what do you think happens when we die we
3: go back to the universe, yeah, whatever that is
1: what what do you think that is what's your fear do you do you care? Is it something that you i mean obviously I we hope, we've I already talked not. about i
3: hope I hope I'm done, right, I hope it's it, I hope it's it it's like I feel like. You know, I don't want to think anymore. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm mate, I'm the same. You know I'm what like I mean? the like minute, a,
1: Sweet relief. Yeah. Sometimes when a plane jolts a little, I'm yeah, like, like, yeah, oh, I'm, okay, like, okay. I'm ready. Uh, I've done some yeah, stuff. Like, I made my choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I threw my cards on
4: yeah.
3: the table. I, I made my choice by sitting, right, yeah. by sitting in this plane. I, I, I just hope I'm in business class when right. it happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just like whatever it is, like I feel like the universe is so, you know, it's so massive and we're all made out of the same stuff from you know stars beyond to to everything that we see around us you know i think we just go back to whatever it was that formed us in the first place
1: do you think that life has a meaning like do you think that there is some inherent reason that we are here and we do what we do or do you think we are a you know mysterious accident of like evolution or whatever in the corner of the universe do you I mean, is it even a thought that you, yeah, you know, these, these trouble the, yourself with? These are the
3: questions you ask yourself when you're laying in bed and thinking about all the stupid things you've done in life. Yeah. <laughs> like when you can't sleep. I, I I don't know. Like, I always just thought, you know, we make our own meanings, you know, in life. That's how I feel. I feel like we, we, we create our own purpose. You know what I mean? Some people are more fortunate than others and... You know, that's just the way that the cards are dealt. But you know, I'd I'd like to think that there's a you know, that them that there might be something that we haven't comprehended yet, but what that is, I don't think we're even ready for it.
0: Thank you to Breeks for that chat with Will going back to December of twenty sixteen for that chat there. Tofop.com to hear the full thing. Let's keep moving and head over to Nazim Hussain. Uh, Nazim is a comedian from Australia and he speaks about his experience with death and what happened what he believes happens when you die, in accordance with his Islam faith. Enjoy this chat with Nazim.
5: And then Ali picked up the Quran and said, Oh, so so that's what the Quran meant, is that what God meant? And then he said, Here's a Quran, let it talk and then everyone was like, What do you what do you make of like what, that's so stupid? But that's his point was that religion is like or Islam or religion is that pursuit. It's that pursuit of reason, it's a pursuit of thought, like it's really about trying to find that truth. And it's all about interpretation and making sense of your surroundings. Everything is culturally relevant. Without that cultural relevance, nothing makes sense. So that's kind of for me what Islam has become like it is about approaching truth. You, uh, yeah, I've, I've, no, I like it. Good. It's good. This, this is, good. is this is fascinating. So there is there is really like uh, you know uh, as much as some people say this is what Islam says, uh-huh. it, there is it, it is clear that you can do, you can arrive at certain conclusions based on source text, but at the same time everything absolutely everything is an interpretation of God's will. Nothing is clearly God's will in Islam. And once I understood that I felt a lot freer following Islam, knowing that you know just because some guy says something doesn't necessarily mean that that is what it is. There are many other there are a myriad of interpretations, and there are other there are as many paths to that truth as there are aspirants or people that are trying to trying to find that truth. So yeah, that that felt for me like I could go you know I could critique I could um, I could question things that didn't make sense to me um, and. Yeah, so I'm evolving as a Muslim day in, day out. And I'm also finding doubt and certainty and along the way. It's really interesting to me. Tell me, uh,
1: Sorry. what do you think happens when we die? Oh,
5: God! Why, why is this important? Can I ask why that's important? I, well, I just like to ask people what they think. But Can I ask why that's important? Though? Well, because
1: here's yeah. the thing. I don't like to be closed-minded. I even feel bad before that I but, was but, joking but, about like imaginary no, no, things. No, no, I, 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 because, I, because I don't know. Like I've, I've talk, spoken I, about this publicly is that like you talk about your idea of expertise. Yeah. This is something yeah. that I clearly can't ever
5: know what the answer True. to but, it is until I die, right? Similarly, but why is that question important though? I like to hear what people think. Yeah, but yeah. I like to know if people are interested why, in it. Why, why, I like to know as, if it as, motivates as, you as a human. Yeah. Why is that important? Like, I'm not just. This is not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing. You. I just want to know why it is that that. Well, here's what I would say.
1: Important. It's not important to me. Well,
5: it's not important because I, I, I live my life like yeah. when
1: I die. Yeah. I, what I assume happens is I will be dead and yeah. that that will be it. True. So that's and that's really my genuine. Okay. Like, point of view. I'm not haunted by it or terrified by it. or I just have a real sense of, like, you know, I'll live until I die and then when I'm dead it won't matter either way because I'll be dead.
5: And you're guided by morals that, I don't know, You you are guided by your own... Like, you're guided by, a, like, a worldview that you believe yeah, is principled.
1: I guess so, yeah. I mean, like, I, I definitely have, like, a whole... and Which is an interesting area when it comes to things like, you know, religion. Because sometimes yeah. you'll have people like, well, if you don't have religion, yeah. how do you have, like, morals? And I say, yeah. well, I have empathy. Yeah, I think I like, try to live yeah. as a human being and, like, understand other people's struggles and yeah. how, like, and not be just completely self-involved. Okay,
5: well, I'll tell you something before I get to you, and it's like... Okay, this is another thing that Islam says, but also a lot of other faith. and this is kind of a universal idea, but Islam also says that, it says that if you are to live, say, on a hypothetical desert island, and there was no person there that could teach you about religion or this, that, and the other, Islam dictates that you will naturally have an inclination towards accepting that there's a creator, right? right. So that's a, a basic tenet uh-huh. of the faith, that there is a God, uh-huh. right? If you ponder, that's what Islam says. Sure. But secondly, that you will come to... Uh, understand morals and ethics and principles anyway, and that is by listening to yourself. By finding yourself, you find God. And so, they say there's a, a thing called a sheikh, which is like an Imam or a priest. Uh-huh. And they say if you don't have a sheikh, if you don't have someone that like a someone that can guide you spiritually, listen to yourself because that is that that kind of your natural what do you call it your right yeah. feeling. Yeah. what you think is right is probably right, which is problematic when you're mental. Right. <laughs> I mean, right, that is, but that is the problem but that's because the, when you think that God's yeah. talking to you and telling you terrible things, <laughs> you're suddenly like, hang on. So, but, but this is when you are completely, yeah. you, you have your own ideas by yourself yeah. on an island. But you know, so... You know, I don't really know. what that says. It sort of says it like you know. See, I would hope right if floor. I was on an island by myself, yeah. Yeah. I would
1: really hope there is no God because I would be doing a lot of masturbating, <laughs> like heaps. So I'd be terrified you that know God, God was just watching. Not watching. I've seen it all. Like, oh, I've seen it all. It's, it's like grain of it like like that. It's like God looks down. He's like, "That's a Caribbean island. There should be. <laughs> there, should, there shouldn't be snow on those. Tr- oh, that's not snow. This is.
5: That's just this Will. Is terrible. That's Will Island. Oh. I looked at what I created and I was repulsed. Real <laughs> <laughs> slopes. But um, um I, I do think I do think when you die well I don't this is, I think when you die that um you meet your creator mm-hmm. and uh, that you are yeah I don't know, I don't really know well this is this is where you are held to account. You're held to account for what you have done, good and bad. So, okay, so that's an interesting thing. Because this then, because, yeah. this then yeah. because I
1: will tell you this, I had an experience when I was doing the drug DMT. Have you ever heard of that I drug? Never heard. It's of like it. ayahuasca. It's What's... a thing that people do for the purpose of like ayahuasca is a Peruvian thing, and people oh. call it the work, mm-hmm. and they go into these like psychedelic states. And some people believe that we're communicating with other dimensions. Other people believe that it's a connection with the spirits that are through the plants and things like that. Okay. Other people believe it's just you know it's Drugs in your brain and right, whatever, right, right. but okay. people have very spiritual, you know. It, I, so often people feel like they experience their own death, okay. what, it, what it feels like this to is die. What they do in Brazil? Right. In the jungles of Brazil? Yeah, they do all. Yeah. So yeah. it's all that same right, 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 vibe, that right? Okay. So, so I, one time I did it and, yeah. um, I experienced what felt like me experiencing my own death, Whoa, and when shit. and when you say you meet your creator, yeah. right? Yeah. I, look, I had an experience yeah. with that. Yeah. Where here's here's what it felt yeah. like. It felt like I could feel like I was you know, imagine a globe spinning, like the earth uh-huh. is spinning really, really, really quickly and you feel like you're part of it. Yeah. And then you feel like it's slowed down mm-hmm. and then I just eased out of it and like my energy came out of being on like the planet and kind of just like was in what? like the universe, like floated out, and then I was just like done. And it did feel like I was meeting some like, but not in any sort of like, all right, now I have a list of good and bad things you've done. Yeah.
5: <laughs> All right, number 1, masturbation. <laughs> that time on that island. <laughs> this is Let's a- talk about Chapter Wills Island. Yeah, to be honest
1: with you, uh, that's number 1 through 98 on our list is your time on that island. <laughs> we would never seen someone fuck a coconut before. <laughs> a box of Kleenex a
5: day, come on. Right. <laughs> <The> trees. <laughs> I invented tissues and bowling. So what, so so you so you came out of that did that yeah. change permanently, your perspective on anything? No, no, not really. Because, I mean, look, you know, I'm
1: I, I'm very open-minded mm. in that if we discovered, like, tomorrow, yeah. you know, that there is a God and his yeah. name's Larry and he lives here, and, like, everyone's like, well, that's – I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Hey, Larry. I feel like I try to live a good life regardless right. because Well,
5: that, I think, that's... I mean – and to be honest, like, I don't know uh, – like, there is probably – I'm sure there are, like – It makes you a different person if you believe or if it doesn't in some way. Maybe it does instruct your behavior in some way. Right. But I think at the end of the day, if you're a good person, you're a good person. And I don't know if it really matters. Like if you are genuine in your pursuit and you don't find God, well, then what doesn't matter to me if I believe and you don't? Like it doesn't matter. You're doing your thing. I'm doing mine. Right. But it becomes, like you said, when I, what was that rule that you said before? The, the, the right Punch, to swing your fist yeah, stops right. at another person's yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. Like when, when that happens, then, then, we, then we should have a chat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Going back to 2015
0: with that chat with Will and Nazim Hussein. Thank you so much to Nazim for his time there. Here's Felicity Ward. She's a comedian from Australia and she speaks about her experience with death and what she believes happens when we die. Enjoy.
1: Uh, there's a couple of things that I just like to ask before we finish up. Now, first one we've kind of touched on anyway, uh, but uh, religion. You know, so you said you were spiritual. You're not like specifically religious.
4: Asked to be back. To, uh, asked to become a Catholic when I was 11. Uh huh. So made my parents confirm me. Okay. Um, because but they're not. Dad's Catholic, but right. by proxy. Yep, sure. Because it will, you know, Irish. Born into it. Yeah, born into it. Um. And so I became a Catholic when I was uh, eleven. And
1: what was it that appealed to you about Catholicism at eleven? Structure, sure.
4: Structure, order, process, songs, names, water on the forehead, confession. Loved it. I had a semi-chaotic upbringing. There's a lot of chaos in my household, uh-huh. and so that's you know I just liked structure. I loved yep. school for that same reason. Sure. We didn't have a Catholic church where we were where I lived because there was. 1500 people we had a christian church so i used to go to that church and i'd go on a sunday where they had the cool young band uh-huh. uh incidentally my auntie was also going to that church and she's now married to the bass player 20 years on is that right yes look
1: at that got
4: down with a bass player
1: yeah and also yeah. he pulled out of a church band
4: yeah not bad like, i mean
1: that's pretty cool right not bad. like when you got that gig the first time you wouldn't be like this would be good for the ladies yeah. but there yeah, you go. It was
4: good for God and the ladies. All right, there we go. And then uh I I called myself Christian till I was about 25 or 26, but I didn't re- Okay.
1: That's pretty late though. It's
4: pretty late, but I I didn't really it's like I really wanted to be a Christian. Right. Because I had that I've always had that yearning and that seek like that searching feeling. Um and then when I sort of had to make a decision about whether I practically believed in the tenets of not the tenets, but the stories. Yeah, but the I just actual, don't believe the stories. Right. Like I don't, I I don't believe that.
1: You believe there? I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but like you strike me as somebody who believes that there might be some, you know, greater like purpose or meaning or something, you know, universal life force or whatever. Mm. But that the stories in the Bible, and Jesus might have
4: been a real guy. Right. Sure, I, I don't know if I believe about the dying and coming back, and I I don't right. know, I don't know. But that doesn't that doesn't feel like something I could depend on. With my life, and I think if you're a Christian, you've got to depend. You got to depend on it.
1: Yeah, it's not just enough to go. Well, I guess it could have happened, yeah, right? There's some good stories. But I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah, that's
4: right. Shit was different back Chinese then. Chinese whispers, things get misunderstood. Yeah, man, when he
1: said he came back yeah. from the dead, I mean, he was just.
4: He had a really uh, rough night. Just, was I mean, it bit, looked it was, like hell. Mate, it was Easter. It was Easter. He had a fucking big four-day weekend. weekend, mate.
1: Mate, and it fell early that year as the start of the footy season in Bethlehem. I mean, there was shit going on. Bad
4: Monday. It exactly. Was
1: crazy. And he'd done Feb fast, and so he wasn't used to drinking. And His then You was... know what he's like. And the <laughs> suddenly the miracles come he, out. And sleep.
4: He was just asleep behind the rock. It's like, That's mate, Jesus,
1: was. fucking drink a water. Don't walk on it, mate.
4: And Jesus, if you can't handle your alcohol, then don't be around women when you do it. Just don't drink. Well, that's
1: why he had all the male disciples. He was just like...
4: He's like, I can't be safe around women.
1: Right, and that's why they also they had to nail his hands to the cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Far. Sorry, Christians. Boom. Sorry, Christians. I, and
4: I have, I have, I really genuinely have a lot of respect for religious people. Yeah, sure. And and for their faith and the way that they live, it's just not for me. That's Some of my
1: favourite people I've had on this podcast have been Christians. I mm. had Jared McKenna on, who I don't know if you know him, but he works. Yes. You know, yeah. Do you know Jared? Yes. Yeah. I don't and know him personally, but I don't know he's who he talks brilliant. About. And like he talked, you know, for, to, for two hours about you know his love of Jesus, and I loved everything he said. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know. I mean, I think if whatever you believe in... Here's the thing that I think about human beings is like, we work because we work together. Despite the rest of it, the story of human beings has been that eventually everything works because enough of us managed to work together to make yes. something happen. One of us by ourselves, we're probably never going to change the world. Maybe a random one every now and again, mm. but even those people you know had people who wrote their shit down or remembered it or tested it like you know for every einstein there needs to be the next generation of scientists who can go away and you know build the machines to work out Plank. if what he said was right
4: Planck is that his name i'm reading about uh physics at the moment so i'm i have some of the names in my head
1: uh you need we're all in this you know it's always an ongoing story as human beings yeah. you know and um uh, so whatever your philosophy is, if you find something that helps us all work together, mm. like who am I to judge? It's only when it goes to those areas where you suddenly are denying other people their human rights yeah. or threatening their right to be a human being, that I have a problem with any of these things. So how do you then move from somebody who like, had that? Did you then feel like you had a hole in your life? or
4: No, Then I just then I just decided that my faith, my God, my whatever can be flexible and malleable. It can change. My definition can change. Uh-huh. Basically, I just understand that I am not the biggest spiritual force on this planet, which I think is a safe bet. I think that's a safe bet that I'm not the biggest spiritual force.
2: I
1: mean, and the other thing is, even if you've one day found out you were, what a fucking hassle. Oh, I mean, I can barely manage my life. It's a lot of can responsibility. Can you imagine if you were suddenly like...
4: What if you were late to a deity meeting?
1: fuck mate like that is a lot of work yeah it's one of those things where you're like the
4: trams were down and I just couldn't
1: I'm not gonna be able to do next year's festival I I mean I'm gonna be full time running the fucking universe (laughs) full time
4: god this is bullshit yeah, so yeah. I, I get a lot Can't of... Can't someone
1: else do it? That'd be my <laughs> first day.
4: <laughs> Can I get a support act? Right, yeah. Get an opener? You go in, do 10 minutes fucking of the meeting, and then
1: How I'll... about the Holy Ghost fucking do something for once? What I mean. the fuck's the... The ghost is? just A lot of been... coattail
4: riding, mate. Right. A lot of coattails. Hanging
1: around that entourage for yeah. a fucking long time, not carrying any of the fucking weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, last but not least, what do you reckon happens when we die?
4: I don't know. I think that our... I think our body's done, like obviously... I think that there's – I think that we – I don't know if we go somewhere else. I don't know, but I don't think that that is totally it for everyone. It might be for some people. I don't know. But I – I just, you know when you just I'm, – I'm, I'm sure if you've seen dead people – have you seen a dead body before? Yep. They're just gone. Yep. It's not just that they're – it's not just that like the blood isn't pumping through their veins. There's nothing there. Yep. And I feel like that goes.
1: Yeah, it's almost like that person was never – you can't even imagine them being a person.
4: You no, know, it's literally just the physical yeah. form, and I. And you realize
1: how little the physical form actually has to go has to do with what you what that person was. Yeah, and how because the whole physical was. form's still there.
4: Yeah, it's yeah. I've never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right that the the person is nothing to do with the physical form. Ironically, that's all that we focus on right. as a society. But
1: I mean, it's amazing to me when we think about this because I've always been of the opinion, you know accident in the corner of the universe you know live get through it lay down die Mm -hmm. you know and then whatever else happens next for everybody else is none of my concern because i'll be dead and i'll have no consciousness and all those sort of things but um uh you were saying that you were reading about physics and stuff and the the craziest thing is and this is why i find it so hard to like you were saying about well maybe that shit happened right Mm -hmm when you read physics and i have no great understanding of physics so i have a very pop you know kind of attitude to this and a lot of this is shit that, that you know other people have explained to me but my my very limited understanding of like quantum mechanics and you know and and quantum theory and stuff you know, firstly that time could be all happening at once so the way that we think about it in this linear fashion is not actually how it exists like so everything we do is existing at the
4: times at different at different altitudes right that's crazy
1: so that's crazy like suddenly a burning bush doesn't look that crazy right suddenly like somebody talks to a bush you're like hang on what oh you're, ex- you're telling me that like time might not be linear and like all this might be and there might be like a space whole bunch curves, of different
4: space curves
1: and there's universes that like might be existing at the same fuck i mean then there's a bit of me that goes well maybe you know that idea of death Makes less sense in a way of are you being dead dead. I totally,
4: because... totally. I literally reading this book, which is for people that don't understand physics. Uh-huh. Um, that, that's what this book is for. And I was reading it, and I get to the end. I, of- I
1: thought it was a book written by four people who don't understand physics. <laughs> yeah. They just got together and went, what, "Let's just see if we can work it out." What's between your the- opinion? Yeah. All
4: right, and yours. You know
1: what? We'll just work it out between the four of us. Yeah. We'll read some Google stuff, and then we'll have our best. We'll guess. workshop it. We'll
4: spitball it. It'll be fine. We'll get close.
1: <laughs> yeah. I get to the, the end. Gist of. Th- (laughs) (laughs)
4: i get to the end of every chapter and it blows my mind so hard i mean this is a 70 page book it's Uh really thin um the the pages are very uh, uh, narrow i can't get through it because i get to the end of every chapter and i have to spend a couple of hours just staring into space going what is this and that's when i think Of course people believe religion. Sure, That's far easier to understand. Heaps easier. Like I can get, you walked on water, whoa, I know what that looks like. Right. You're telling me that light is made up of packets of finite measurements, but I can't see them, but they're happening. Like I have to, I've got to spend a lot of time digesting that to try and even understand that. It's just, oh my God, it's so amazing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I it the more you learn sometimes the more you discover. And I can understand why perhaps that's why religious certainty comes with sometimes an anti-science bent. Yeah. Because it's hard to keep those two. It's really amazing sometimes when you see like a Christian scientist or whatever mm. and you're like, so which of them are you Yeah. Which of them do you what not you believe bagging? fully? Yeah. Because there's no way that you can believe both fully. Yeah. So which of them are you pulling your punches on?
4: Yeah. This is this is how I see it, that I, you know when Indiana Jones, like, takes his hat off and he flicks it and, like, it, it'll jam the door? Uh-huh. That's what my faith is. I don't want to say that there's nothing there. I just want, I'm just, like, leaving the door a bit
1: open. Okay.
4: Just so, because I reckon it's, I, no one knows.
1: I mean, there, there's kind of almost two possibilities, that it's all for some reason, everything happens for a reason, or that, everything happens for no reason. Mm. And I guess that you, in some ways I'm a everything happens for no reason. And I hadn't kind of thought about this until we've like talked about this here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're a real everything happens for a reason and I'm a everything that happens for no reason. And then somehow I feel like we agree on so many yeah. things and have so many areas of like similarity and interest. So it's probably instructive that you can get to that same point with from very different perspectives or philosophies, literally the opposite. Yeah,
4: literally, because that idea that this is all for nothing, that everything is for nothing, is the saddest thing that I could think of. Like that almost makes me feel no, sad.
1: I get it. I can understand that. There's this element of like, well, why are we do anything then? Mm. Like, if we're, I I tend to go the opposite with that, which is like, well, if there are no rules, I can create anything. my life and anything, and you know, I like you know. People always ask me, Claire Bowditch asked me on the radio the other day, she goes, on philosophy, you always you, know, you always ask people, what's your philosophy, she said, what's yours? And I said, I chose this. And that's the thing that gives me the most power, power in the universe is that I choose every day to best curate my world and my universe and the world that I want to live in and the things that I want to see, like, you know... It's up to me. It's up mm-hmm. to me if I want to have a good life or a happy life or a content mm-hmm. life. It's up to me to examine if I think I'm a good person or if the value, if the thing I'm striving for is actually something. Like I can't put it through an external prism. Yeah. You know, I can't say, you know, I all I have to do is going for my own reason – How do I want to treat other people? For my own reason, like what do I want to do with my life? What sort of work do I want to create? What sort of relationships do I want to have with people? What responsibility as a person who who has a voice do I want to use? How much of that voice do I want to use? Or how much do I want for me? Or, I mean, saying all those things, now I'm exhausted and I'm like, I don't know how I got out of bed this morning. Very tiring. but I kind of I think that's an exciting thing. I yeah. Think, you know.
4: And I do, I do too. When you explain it like that, I do too, and I understand it. I uh, I just don't think that I can do it by myself.
0: Felicity Ward, there. Uh, thank you so much to her for her time. Tofop.com dot com for the full chat or any of the chats you've heard. Let us know what you think on the socials. Philosophy Pod. We're not quite done yet. We've got one more chat to wrap up the philosophies compilation series. Here Dr. Carl. He is a science communicator. You may have heard him on Triple J. Uh, he has written a lot of books and his take on what happens when you die is, is really, really interesting. And I thought it was a, a nice way to, to wrap up the compilation series. Uh, let's get straight to it. I hope you enjoy it. Stop and take
6: your pulse. Right. If your pulse is racing, if you're breathing fast, you are not fit to deal with that emergency. Right. You might have to do something right away, but you could very well do the wrong thing. So just take your time.
1: Yeah, it's something I learned very late in my sort of performing <laughs> life. Too late <laughs> in my performing life. Too late. Well, not too late, but yeah. later than I wish I had of in my performing yeah. life was like, because people, when they come and see, I, um, my friend Sam Mack, who was uh, doing some great stuff for Channel 10, came and filmed a pre show thing uh, during the comedy festival. And he wanted it, what's it like, you know, backstage? And I said, look, I'll come down. 45 minutes before and we'll film it then Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of fake something up because if you came and filmed what I actually am doing like (laughs) 10 minutes before I'm on stage like no one would it's literally me just sitting on a couch normally like having a beer like just sitting there or like relaxing or watching tv or having a chat with whoever because all I'm trying to do is just be entirely relaxed and calm because I know to do my job properly Mm -hmm. that's the best like because as soon as I get out there with the lights and the clapping and the adrenaline, anyway, mm-hmm. it's already going to take me up a level. I have to kind of be at a point before then that I'm, I'm that I'm not ready to go at all.
6: Now let me ask you a question. I often find uh, what, what I've done is is I never have a drink before I do a gig, uh-huh. but I get them to no, fill, I disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> but, but I get them to fill a wine glass and I leave it full, uh-huh. and then I drink that glass, and at the uh, when I'm finished and I'm so hyped. There's like it's water. I've got to have two glasses. Normally, one glass
1: will do it for me. So, this is the thing that people find interesting because I'll have three beers while I'm on stage. And I'll normally have one, maybe two beforehand. They're not big beers. They're, you know, those smaller, thinner ones they have these days. But it's still a decent amount to drink. Mm-hmm. And people always say to me, they say, like, you know, how in, in 80 minutes don't you get drunk? I say, no. But the minute, like, not the minute I get ah. off stage, but like, you know, say, so there seems there must be that sort of... And it'd be interesting to hear what your perspective on this mm. is because there's a thing in comedy we call dr showbiz and Tell the me. the myth in uh, like comedy is you i've like i've never i don't think missed a gig for health reasons in my entire life ah. and i've been sick in the last 20 years <coughs> Shh, ramona no yeah. um i've been uh i've been sick for the you know i've been like ill and whatever but there's this thing where you can get out on stage like i've never had to go to the bathroom when i'm on stage Ooh. i've never had to like uh, you know i can be you drink. I can do a double show. I can have need to go to the bathroom five times you know, in the ten minutes before I get on stage. But for that eighty minutes when I'm on stage, that I don't have to go to the bathroom. I can get through and be sick straight away. You know, like there's something about that a performance, like I guess adrenaline or whatever it is, that stops me from feeling drunk on stage. But then when I come off stage, I feel. be? Really? That
6: that's the other half of the coin. I'd almost like to try that, except I'm scared of the fact that I've seen a few cases of where people have gone on stage drunk and. Have gone badly.
1: Oh yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's a hard oh, and no. fast rule. <laughs> yeah. That's
6: interesting that you say that. But I
1: imagine over the years as well, with like you know, like if you look at the major rock bands and all those sort of like, I mean, there's been some people who've like played whole shows clearly, you off know, their face. off their faces and whatever. It's interesting, yeah. but I don't know what the. But yeah, doctor showbiz is a thing that all like comedians, performers, whatever, will tell so about that Dr. idea. Doctor showbiz, yeah.
6: Okay, so Dr. Showbiz is stopping me from getting drunk after the show. Well, yeah. So yeah. I have one drink, and that was just water. Yeah. Give me Dr. Real Showbiz drink. is
1: like, yeah, have another one.
6: <laughs> right. Well, you learn something every day, yeah. Dr. Showbiz.
1: All right. So, um, uh, so failure doesn't daunt you then, but what, no. do you have fears? Are there things that do like kind of hold you back, like things that you're like, you know, I, should, I wanted to try that, but I've been held back or anything like that?
6: I've got a remarkable capacity of self-delusion and have reinvented my life so that I have already won, if I'd just done things just a little bit differently, one Olympic gold medal and three Nobel Prizes already and got fabulously wealthy. And the, uh, you know, the Fosbury flop where they go over, the thing about the Fosbury flop was before that, they thought that they had to get their body and their center of gravity over the bar at the same time. Right. But now, their body goes over the bar, but the center of gravity goes under the bar. I invented that and I called it the Carl Curl. In my mind. Yeah. I delude myself. <laughs> and then I won my first Nobel Prize, uh, of course, for um, semiconductors. Of course, that was obvious. Uh-huh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and then another Nobel Prize for discovering dark energy. Uh-huh. That was an easy one. Um, and well so I, I, I totally delude myself and that way. I don't feel bad about failing at not having done any of those.
1: Is so, there an element of like, would you consider yourself to be a ambitious person? No. No. Oh God, no! So what has driven I, you I, then I, to I'm the success. least ambitious person I know.
6: And what do you can, mean by
1: that? Explain uh, that.
6: I was. I used to play tennis with the Gat brothers, G-A-T-T, in Wollongong at at high school, and they were Maltese. And and I was. I never got taught how to play tennis. That was the other thing. I also would have invented the twin. Armed backswing, and one at Wimbledon mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But we were too poor to afford tennis lessons. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I used to cheat a little bit, like most kids do, and say it was in when it was out, or vice versa, or whatever sure. it would suit me. And I played with the Gat brothers, and we just play on the Saturday mornings for fun. And they didn't care whether it was in or out. They said, "Oh, you take it," and they'd let me cheat all the time. Right. And one day I was, I was coming home, and my parents said to me, "How was the game?" And I, and and, and suddenly I heard the words for the first time. How was the game? And it wasn't that I won six two, but the game. How was the game? The game was fun, right. and I suddenly realised it didn't matter uh-huh. if I won or not. What mattered was I had a good time. Right. And from that moment, I became so non-competitive. So I, I, I push myself as hard as fun, but but I, but I won't cheat to win, right. so I can say I won when in fact I lost. That doesn't matter. Yeah, all it matters is I had a good time.
1: That's I mean, but that that moment is so little uh like we expressed so little these days the idea that you don't have to win oh, mate you go to these corporate meetings like it's nice sometimes yeah. that things have a like a winner and a loser and whatever but it doesn't like actually have to mean that because you didn't win that you didn't win that you didn't get out of it and often the person who did win like they didn't you know like they'll find it's empty when they win the thing you know, anyway. And then they give the lie in the corporate
6: world where they say, I have climbed the tallest continent, mountains on each continent, yep. or tamed lions in the outback of Australia, or this or that, and you and I'm a winner, and you each can become a winner. Yeah. No, only one of you can become a winner. Right. The others will be number two, three, four, and five. Literally by oh. the definition of winner. <laughs> by
1: the definition like of you the you winner. Like you can be in something where only one person gets to be it, or you can be doing another thing where everyone gets to have a good time. <laughs> So you can't all be the winner. Yeah, well that's it's that Lily Tomlin thing, right? Like you know ah. the problem with the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. <laughs> like, <right? laughs> but I guess yeah, I mean that that's interesting to me. So what then gets you out of bed in the morning? Like why? Because I mean you've written like what thirty six. Ha, 36 Thirty. I'm writing, writing number
6: thirty six now.
1: Yeah. Um, like what? Yeah. I what be gets dead you, for quiz. Yeah. What gets you up and motivated and talking and doing all those things? Like, okay. What, well,
6: when I was a medical doctor. the other thing that I came across was with people most people didn't ever realise that they had enough and I've got to the stage in life where I've got enough stuff I've got Uh a house I've got one car I've got a bicycle and I've got a family I don't need a second family no um I wouldn't mind another car, but it would probably rust and where would I drive it? I wouldn't mind a jet, but right. hey, I can I can live with that. I, I actually The other thing about enough. a jet
1: is like the thing that I think is you've always got to remember what sort of person you actually are. Like, for example, sometimes enough, you'll need more, like mm. depending on what you – but like – my thing with the jet is like, yeah, it'd be great to have a jet, but then you need like people to look after your jet, and I don't know what to do with the jet, so now I need a jet guy. And how do I know if my jet guy's ripping me off or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do I have a good jet guy? Like, how many jet guys are there? Like, and so I don't need those problems in my life. So, the so joy I would get out yeah. of the jet would be offset by all the other problems that come with having a jet.
6: For me, the only real reason for having a jet was I could guarantee I could see an eclipse every time.
1: Oh, okay. If there was cloud yeah, cover,
6: sure. I'd say, let's go above the clouds. And then see the eclipse from up there. That, that, how between,
1: often is there an eclipse?
6: Under the Geneva Convention, you're allowed seven every year. That was a
1: joke. I know. I've I know. got that. But how many how <laughs> many ma- eclipses are there? Oh, you're a
6: Maximum of seven. You get about three or four. I missed out on...
1: How, how often would it... How, I mean, if you thought every, about every it... Every three months, you get yeah, an Yeah, like, I mean, you could plan it. You could just get a, a jet for that night.
6: Yeah, but you've got to be able Hi to, jet. if you're on the ground, get a yeah. uh, uh, I've I've checked it out. Right. Uh, <laughs> 3,000 an hour. Yeah. Okay, all right. right. It's beyond me. Yeah, no, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so what gets me out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Is, well, so when I was a medical, what's student-
1: your daylight, like, by the way? I, 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 I yeah. know this might be a like a. I like to know practically. Do you, do you get up early? Are you a person who works best in the morning or in the evening, or does it not matter? I get up. How much you I'll sleep? I get up pretty
6: early. No, no. Oh, you got to have your sleep. Once you're a, you're obviously not a parent because you don't know that sleep is better than sex. Right. Once you, well, yeah. Right. So I like my eight hours. Sleep. I did
1: breakfast radio and I milk cows. <laughs> I, okay. Right. I, I think I've. I feel. Like I'm, I'm, I
6: take it back. I've got some appreciation. If you've done breakfast radio, yeah. they're the hard yards. Yeah. yeah. So um, get up early um, and then go, I like to go for a walk on the beach with my wife. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we have breakfast together and a cup of tea. And What I, do you eat? What are you like? Are you a regular? I'm what, into fruit salad now. Yeah, I right. love fruit and a bit of nuts in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And, and papaya paws. I don't know why, but they just really sing to me. It'll probably change in a few years. And then with regard to the working, there's the reading. And then there's the writing. And the reading I do off paper or Uh I do it off the net. So on the web, I'll spend an hour doing my emails and then I won't look at it. Then I'll do an hour on the people I follow on Twitter. I follow them specifically because they give me links to scientific articles, Uh, which I then read and understand and save. And then… Uh, some of the the easy ones I'll pass on to the general public. Then I'll go to the other half of Twitter and then answer requests and then I'll start writing. But I've got a little automatic clock that every hour says... The dims the screen down. So then I'll go down to the gym and pump iron to put up with the, to try and repair the damage from my surfing accident where I smashed one ball of my uh, shoulder joint into 40 different pieces held together only by blood clot.
1: I'm glad that sentence finished because like, it started with you, you smashed where you started smashing one ball. Pause. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you can work on that in the gym. Yeah. But...
6: <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to uh, get back to the stage where I can do chin-ups and push-ups again uh-huh. and I should be able to be there within maybe six months of, of Work out a few, my problem uh and, and, that, and then that's the day. Going down to the downstairs uh, gym in what I call the garden suite, which is
1: just the room out the back. <laughs> sure. That's yeah. all right. we're, then, we're in the podcast studio, which is just the room out the back.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just pump iron for 10 minutes and then come back upstairs and then write some more. Uh-huh. And then family comes home. They, they do the cooking. I do the dishwashing. Right. It. I, I hope they don't listen to this bit, but they have many fine qualities. but finding the maximum 3D efficiency of pack for a dishwasher to maximize the amount of washing and minimize the amount of energy they haven't got,
1: I so, can imagine that uh, that would bother you.
6: But sometimes I'll even put a plate sideways. In the dishwasher, just lying flat and run away, skipping and laughing like little kids coming up to a doorbell and ringing on it and running away just to taunt me, right? Because I, I
1: can't put it in sideways. Because why
6: you got to have it vertically, yeah. And they lay it flat. You got one plate in the dishwasher no. on the bottom level, one on the top. That's it, they yeah, they do that but to mock you, to mock me. <laughs>
1: Well, Carl, that's probably as good a point as any uh, to finish on. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you this afternoon. The well, words to this morning, this afternoon. I think we crossed through the, the period of time probably during this chat. Um, uh, Ramona wasn't here for the whole thing, but she's come back in for the end, uh, which is always very nice. Uh, now, uh, so you're working on your – so anyway, people can find all your books, but you're working on a new one at the moment.
6: Yeah, so you just go to drcarl.com, D-R-K-A-R-L.com, and there's so much free stuff there.
1: What, tell me what
6: uh, you still want to do. I'd space. Or or no, like to go into I'd space. Do you have a list or something? I'd like to go into space, but I can't afford the $200,000 with uh, Virgin Galactic or $50 million with the Russians. It used to be $20 million, but they discovered capitalism.
1: Right, but is there a point in your lifetime where that might become affordable, space travel, like to travel at least into space, do you think?
6: Yes, we will become a space-going race. The other thing I'd like to do is become immortal. And I yeah. think...
1: Do, do you why, why, do you really think that you would like to?
6: Yes. And what does that mean? Because for me, like, I mean, because it can't
1: be in your human body,
6: yeah, right? Yeah, living forever in a healthy 18 to 25-year-old body. Right. And with the ability to transfer to different bodies. So I think that this body is not bad, but... Man, God stuffed up so much. The retina's the wrong way round. Yep. The knee joints suck. Yep. my the hips ball, are good. The h- hips—they're okay, but really, we didn't do the transition from all fours to vertical very well. No. Uh, Freeman Dyson put it right when he said the proper shape for a human being is a cloud of iron vapor, weighing fifty kilograms, the diameter of a planet, floating through space. Right, You can still have sex because, as Frank Zappa said, your main sexual organ is your brain. So I'd like to be able to live forever and then switch from body to body. And the way things are going with genetic engineering, I think that I'm in the, first gener- or the last generation to die yep. and my kids will be in the first generation to live forever. That is to say, 5,000 years with a healthy 18- to 25-year-old body. And we will become a space-going race. Right,
1: well, because we'll have to because the planet will be no good. No, anymore.
6: we'll do it because we have to because... On earth we're all we could be wiped out by one rock yeah uh-huh. then we'll do it because we can see the stars there is there's a thing called the uh, was a russian mathematician and a physicist and he worked out the type of civilization by how much energy they use in about 200 years we'll get to the stage where we use the same amount of energy as the sun broadcast onto our planet in a thin pencil beam and then increasing energy at the rate we're going at, in two and a half thousand years after that, we'll be able to use all of the energy, the the equivalent amount of energy that the sun broadcasts in all directions, and two and a half thousand years after that, which is only five thousand years from now, and think the Egyptians started five thousand years ago with their pyramids, in five thousand years from now, we humans will be able to control the energy equivalent of all of the output of all of the stars in our galaxy. That's where we'll be in five thousand years. I want to, I'd want i love to be around for that. And it pisses me off that I probably will miss out. I'll be in the last generation to die. Bummer. But on the other hand, I had a pretty good time.
1: I assume that means that what our brains are going to have to be – because, like, here's the thing. The, the thing that I finds, you know, I'm already – there's already things that teenagers can do now, kids can do now that – are almost beyond me you know when it comes to technology you know they do things so instinctively that like I'm like I'm, I don't really know how to do that <laughs> you know like I buy new phones and I do the same old things that I can do with my other phone you know what I mean like I, I can't do any of the new stuff I feel constantly with technology like I'm one of those people the metaphor I always use is like I'm in a western and you know I'm running along behind the train you know and you got to jump up onto the mm-hmm. train and I feel like I'm but if I stumble like one bit the train goes ahead and I'm lost forever well like, the
6: kids are getting smarter each generation right. So it's how do nice. I live
1: forever? Like, if I live forever, is it about me upgrading my brain? Am no. I, is that what it's going to be about? Or? Um,
6: the Greek word apoptosis, A-P-O-P-T-O-S-I-S, refers specifically to the autumn leaves falling off uh-huh. when the chlorophyll has all been sucked back to be recycled by the tree. And it's used in cells in the human body to refer to programmed cell death. So... We males, we reach our sexual peak at around 15 and women Mm -hmm. around 35. So most of us guys had our sexual peak all by ourselves, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And the cells in our body are aging all the time and we can find that program and switch it off. We are programmed to die. Yeah, right. Death is a new invention. Originally on the planet, from 3.8 billion years ago to 1 billion years ago, there was no programmed death. You had a one – all life was in the form of single cells, Uh which would then split into two, into four, into eight, but they were still single cells, and there was no programmed death. And And with multicellular bodies where you've got a kidney and a liver and a lung and a heart, you have programmed death so that you make room for the next generation. So we will find those programs and switch them off, and we will live forever.
1: It's a very interesting note to finish the podcast on. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, Carl.
0: There you go, guys. That is Dr. Carl on his thoughts on what will happen when we die. A fantastic chat. All of these today were fantastic chats. So, special thanks to Judith, Lucy, Briggs, Nazim Hussain, Felicity Ward, and Dr. Carl. And to all of the guests that have been a part of this compilation series. It's been an absolute blast putting it together. We've had some great chats on comedy, philosophy, mental health, human rights, religion, education, parenting, feminism, death, all the big topics in life that we need to be discussing. And of course, you can hear all of these chats in full at tofop.com, T-O-F-O-P.com. Again, there is an amazing back catalogue of episodes here that Uh, simply fantastic to listen back to. So I highly recommend you, if if any of these uh, poked your fancy today, I highly recommend you go and check out the full chat because a lot of these guests that we have on have some really profound and poignant things to say that I think uh, we should be uh, listening back to and, and learning from and enjoying uh, so yeah, thank you so much for sticking through this. I really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, it was a blast to put together. Uh, Mike Carl over in America cuts all these together. He he goes through all the episodes and and you know cuts it all and pastes it all in and and makes it a coherent piece so special thanks to him James Fosdyke uh, puts all of the artwork that we share together uh, very promptly and very professionally Uh, he's done a fantastic job so we really appreciate it Will who who does these episodes who 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 chats to these guests uh, has done a fantastic job with them and uh, and of course to you for listening we really appreciate it there wouldn't be a show without the listeners so thank you so much uh really excited uh for what's next for this podcast hope to hear from you soon tofop.com philosophy pod on the socials patreon.com slash tofop t-o-f-o-p uh if you want to donate to the show but for now uh merry christmas have a fantastic new year and we will chat to you soon thank you